Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have print, put out emails. They they make uh, videos. They, they, they're they keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and we are so happy you chose to spend a little more time with us this week. Uh, rounding this out here, I am, uh, I'm actually in Austin right now, but uh, not when I'm recording this. We're doing the pre-South by Southwest thing, which I want to talk to you about in a second. First off, I'm going to give you the bullet points for this show here this week. Uh, up front... You guys hate scalpers. We hate scalpers. So does Eric fucking Church, Outlaw Country. And he is going to, uh, he reclaimed actually 25,000 tickets uh, from scalpers for his upcoming world tour or U.S. tour. So we're going to talk about that, what that means, uh, and see, you know, revisit our little, our, our little love affair with how do we fix the fucking ticket industry? Because scalpers are bad. We know this. We hate them. Um, there's not many things we hate, but that, that is one of the things we hate and they're, uh, they're bad for you and me, but, uh, or aren't they? We're going to get to the bottom of that with my friends, uh, Eduardo, Ian Taranji and Marcus K. Dowling. And then, uh, after that, the four of us are going to sit down and discuss a badass album by one Miles Mosley. He is a bassist extraordinaire from the West Coast gang out there in LA. You might know him from, uh, albums like... The Epic from Kamasi, Washington. You might know him from being on To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Some little low-profile indie stuff. Anyways, he's got a new album out of his own uprising, and it is, uh, in my estimation, quite badass. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to be playing a track from a Chicago band called Man Wolves. That, uh, it's it's going to be a nice little pairing there. It'll be good. Uh, before we head down to the basement real quick, though, I want to talk to you about something. You know, we do, uh, we, we cover a lot of national stuff, but we are very supportive of our, of our local scene here in Washington, D.C. And every year for the past few years, a group, uh, we call We D.C., uh, and Events D.C. has done this thing called We D.C. House at uh, South by Southwest. And the idea is, is that you take down a whole bunch of people from D.C., and you say, hey, the city's awesome. It's not just government. It's all about the arts here. And, uh... You know, that's a discussion for a further date, which is why I'm talking to you right now, because we want to talk about something kind of fucked up that happened. They had a contest for uh, for who was going to go down this year, and three very good bands won. 
and, and they're going to be down there representing them, uh, us in Austin to uh, so people know that there is stuff going on down there. But then, for some reason, they decided to add Erica Badu and Wu-Tang Clan, which, no disrespect to them, and their reasoning was, it was basically, well, they've played here a lot. Uh, but, but really, no re- disrespect to either of those bands, but they have fuck all to do with DC. And so we wanted to get to, uh, we want to get to the bottom of that. We want to have a nice long discussion, but I want to put that in your brain. If you have, if you're listening to this and you are invested in our local scene or a local scene and know about any of this stuff and I uh, want to talk about it, reach out. Uh, I am Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. You can reach out to all of us at info at ChunkyGlasses.com. And uh, maybe in a few weeks, maybe after South by Southwest, that's where we see how it went. Uh, we'll sit down and, and figure this out because, you know, when you're talking about supporting your local art scene, it, 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 look, it's true. Everything comes to D.C. We benefit greatly from that. We could not have done this podcast anywhere else in the country because everything comes here. But that is not what makes D.C. great. And I can say that as somebody who's been here for 10 years and consider this my home and, and my only home. Uh, I feel that I've, I've really ever had. This is not this type of thing is not what makes DC great. It's not that we have we can get the biggest artists coming through. It's the people who are out there in our community, not just uh, changing the world for government, but then when they get off work, go and make great art. And the people who have been here all along making great art. Uh, so. Something to think about, and uh, please hit us up. And with that, let's head on down to the basement and uh, get our get on. Talk about outlaws, uh, some righteous base, and some uh, some mammals. So this is how yeah. this is how this works. So uh, it's kind of okay. like have you have you heard about this yet? No, I have not. It, I have it's not. kind of it's kind of amazing. So, yeah, so we'll okay. get into it. This All is more. Right. This is gonna be more of a theoretical conversation. If you guys are ready to get going on this, yeah. uh, welcome so back so to the basement, gentlemen. On this <laughs> fine, death-defying evening in Washington D.C., it is February what twenty-second. Yeah, hit seventy-eight degrees today, folks. Uh, and uh, th- this is it was it was awesome. 2017, what? man. 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But that's, that's amazing. Um, uh, we are we are sitting here to we're going back through some stuff. This came out of the album we're going to be talking about this week came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Miles Mosley's Uprising. Uh, I'll give you a little more background on him up front. But before we get to that, I want to talk about something that just happened. That Eduardo, you brought to my attention. Uh, and this is something we've talked a lot about. And I think we're all concerned about as music fans is... Uh, we know scalpers suck ass. We know sites like StubHub suck ass. Even though sometimes, I mean, I have gone to StubHub and bought a ticket. Right. Like we bought, we got into the LCD sound system show because of StubHub. But let, let he who was without sin pass yeah. the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. There it is. And 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 uh, we have strongly advocated for uh, things like paperless ticketing, which is in my mind the solution. Uh, it's hilariously outlawed in New Jersey. <laughs> but because guess who? <laughs> like, uh, the town the, of Caldwell, we, we New Jersey. I'm guessing. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, but one thing that we have seen is people sort of going after these scalpers. You have uh, agencies. I think like Ticketfly does it. IMP does it. Some uh, that it's more lip service. They'll, they'll do it, but it's it's more lip service. Now you have somebody. Uh, the most unlikely of sources, Eric Church. Who is who is? In case you didn't know, he's an outlaw. 
<laughs> like Sturgill? Yeah. No, no, no. He's not like Sturgill. He, he's, 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 he's an outlaw, man. He's a, he's a brow outlaw law? trademark. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, uh, that's a, that's a country music. You know, a lot of people realize. like really, really liked it. I, that album. I listened to it a few times. It's not yeah. bad. It's certainly not outlaw. It's like Ario Speedwagon with a couple more distortion pedals. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're looking for a villain, he's not like egregious. Like he's not the person yeah, you yeah, should yeah. hate. So, you know? so, but he, the thing about Eric Church is that because he plays this sort of generic uh, old school rock and roll, he can fill stadiums, mm-hmm. which is a uh, we've talked about this many times. This is a uh, phenomenon that country stars enjoy. Yeah, rock stars generally do not enjoy this Oof. anymore. <laughs> not so much anymore. So you're talking about what, like 25, 35, 40, yeah. 50, 100,000 seats in some of these places. Yeah. Uh, so it came out, it was in the Tennessean, I think, that uh, they saw all these things in StubHub. They, they knew there was scalping involved or suspected and literally put together a team and, and it sounds like went one by one. Yeah. And And... It, I think they might have had it. So, so, so what we don't really know is kind of what happened inside the black box of like what if this was an algorithm or if they identified certain characteristics and transactions that were common to scalpers. But right. somehow, and they're and they're being sort of coy about that. I assume for a reason yeah. because they don't necessarily want the scalpers to know how they're identifying them. Yeah. But they think they identified. I think it's twenty five thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yank yeah. them. Yep. Like can't cancel the sales. They're they've, back on the market. You can buy them. Yep. Um, this is, uh, in my mind, a very good effort, uh, but there may be some problems. Now, norm- normally I'd say, no fucking lawyers here today, but we got a lawyer here, so, <laughs> so he is in. Uh, you you can serve advice. So, so here's here's my thing about that. I think I think it's very good. I think it's the way we should go if we're not willing to do paperless ticketing. But what happens to the person that they take the ticket from who got it legitimately? Uh, that's... Probably not anything. I'm not sure that the that the law has a remedy for. That might just right. be because yeah, this is this is not a normal occurrence. Right, right. I think um, you know. So the whole discussion is like when you're drawing a threshold, right? Is like how do you catch as many of the people that you want to and harm as few of the good people? Right. And so I ha- I have to assume that they drew the line fairly conservatively, and that if they had yeah. like assuming it was an algorithm, like if they had just rejiggered the science on it a little bit they could have avoided forty five thousand tickets but then they might have had uh they might have run the risk of catching uh, See, I would, legit buyers i would take that even a little bit farther to me this is kind of a do no harm not a yeah, yeah not right. a minimize harm this is i mean you know if somebody's buying tickets to you and and i would say this not from a legal perspective i would say this from a like wanting to keep consumers who are giving me money perspective mm-hmm. like yep. you know you, you do not want to like take somebody's ticket yeah if you are if you're it, Eric Church and you're selling out stadiums, that's a that's was this from one show or the whole tour? I think it's for the whole tour. The whole tour, not the whole tour, because that has, would be really problematic. Has there been, <laughs> has there been any, any has there been any estimation of how many people this happened to? Um, how, how many? Uh, how, how, like, many how, how many? How many non scalpers? No, because this this yeah. literally uh, the story popped up yesterday. Yeah, uh, less that's. Yep. Obviously, did a did a little note on it. Is obviously cranky and wrong. That's just that's just who he is. <laughs> man. Um, oh, and and uh, Bob loves that. If you don't know who we're talking about, yeah. um, and, and so yeah, I I the 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 minimizing the harm in that I think is this is, might actually be a very good practice. Um, it because 
where we're at. I want to turn it over to you, Marcus, after I say yeah, this because no you get no some problem. stuff to say. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I feel it, man. I feel I just, it. I'm just hanging out. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the arguments in, in paperless ticketing is always like, well, what if I buy a ticket and the babysitter fails? Like, what if I buy a ticket and blah, blah? Like, I understand that. And you, like, there needs to be stuff in built into this protections for that, possibly. But at the end of the day, that affects like point oh 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 one percent of people. So it ends up not being an, uh, an argument at all that should be made for this. Like it's if you want to go to an event, you buy right. the ticket. The ticket is not a guarantee that you get to see the show if a life event interferes. Right. Right. You have to physically go to the show once you buy the ticket. Right. And if you're unable to go because something happened, it's not like I don't. I. I Liability is yours. Yeah. Right. Or like, or because I, I, I brought up this idea with uh, a bunch of people who I think like fish a little too much, and they were like, "Oh no, that'll never work. Everyone is such a fucking flake. That'd be all fish. No fans. one is anywhere." On time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but they but they thought the idea of paperless ticketing was absolutely horrifying because they because they're like, we would all be you know outside waiting That's, for waiting for Johnny really who won't good, show up until really like point. the separate. Well, and though that and this was also bullshit. The P, I know these. Why people. Why can't you email them out? Yeah. Yeah, well, I know like, these people. Well, don't they, be friends with them. Don't offer to hold his tickets. They're like, hey, they're like, <laughs> don't get them if, if, if I can't buy 20 tickets, then how am I going to hook up my friends? Yeah, right. Well, oops. Like, <laughs> oops. Like, what? Okay, Mr. Yeah. Dally. No, it's all good. I'm, uh, it's, okay, so like, three points here. Number one, um, this is like the ultimate musical one percenter argument that we're talking <laughs> right. about. Like, this is not going to affect, like, the lucky so-and-sos. Like, no disrespect. Like, you guys, like, nope. it's like, this is like the Eric Church... Justin Bieber, yeah. Taylor Swift right. argument where it's like you could do this as like a fuck you because you're literally that high up Rich. in the food <laughs> chain where you're like, screw it, twenty five thousand? That's nothing. That's but let some me, change. But let but let me throw another so so he's getting paid no matter what, even right. if the purchases are fraudulent. So, so the victims are really the not the one percent of musicians, but maybe the top twenty percent of earners who have 140 bucks to spend on an Eric Church ticket. Right. Right. But and, I mean, and who are being priced out by the scalper market. Like, right. that's who's... But the scalper market he... goes from the top to the bottom, though, now. Mm. That's the thing. Like... Oh, yeah. If you look at, like, even, like, the... Give me an example. Princess Nokia is playing at Songbird. Yeah. In, in March. That... She has two shows that are sold out. Flat out sold out. I'm almost positive there's 1% of those tickets that if you went on StubHub or some third-party site a week before the show are going to be there grossly overpriced. Mm-hmm. I hope they get sold to someone that she punches. Like she, <laughs> like she just, like she just did. So that is awesome. I'm all for artists punching assholes in the crowd. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, didn't, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, she. That's a thing. 2017, man. No rules, just right. Yeah, it is. But yeah, so I feel like that's a thing. Yeah, there's, there's. I read this article uh, recently as Jezebel, one of these sites somewhere, like in that dead spin network thing. Where they were talking about how, like, just how expensive Justin Bieber's tickets are. And the fact that, like, Justin Bieber's, like, uh, I mean, somebody like Bieber's, like, okay, well, yeah, of course people are going to scout my tickets. I don't care. Like, it's yeah, a weird. because you already got paid. Right. It's a weird. And sometimes when artists complain about, about the secondary market, really what they're saying is, like, it pisses me off that I left money on the table because right. I could have charged exactly. more for these yeah, tickets. Exactly. Which is something yeah, we brought exactly up a lot right. of times. We've, exactly we've right. leveled this criticism at places like Live Nation, places like IMP. And that's what I mean by the lip service, because you can you can say it all you want, 
But unless you're willing to like basically put that money back into circulation, right. yep. then then you aren't doing anything for the fans. You know, if if the bottom line is I still made my money, then that's that's as bad as scalpers, I think, in my opinion. What Church is doing though is interesting because this cancels the sale, mm-hmm. and and we've also said the reason the secondary market is great for these artists who a they get to see their mark quote unquote market value that they can't necessarily charge for. But it goes both ways, right? Yeah. So if there's twenty five thousand tickets, maybe those twenty five thousand tickets were going to be on the ground outside the stadium, right? Obstructed view seats, a la, right. a la Dan Snyder, right. because they're not yeah. in there counting. They're not. They're not in there yeah. counting. They're just like we sold the damn ticket, right? I don't hmm. care if you showed up. I, we sold the damn ticket. I think the one interesting thing about this is that I think this is one of those points where okay, so like I was going through trying to figure out what artists were coming to town for, you know, just, I was at Decades doing a Decades thing, and we were trying to figure out who's coming to town, when and where and why. And I literally went to the Live Nation website uh-huh. and found, like, 75, 80% of the live acts coming to town for 930 Club, uh, Verizon Center, Songbird, the Howard yeah. Theater, the Lincoln Theater. Uh, Amber Rose is playing at the Lincoln Theater with a uh, one-woman comedy in-bed show <laughs> on May 19th. I found that to be entertaining. Um, you know, yeah, it will be things. entertaining. Right. But it's like when that happens and there's like this monolithic thing that's occurring, at some point, the idea of even worrying about the third-party sites when something like this occurs, this is the thing that if someone like Live Nation takes a, 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 an active note of this, they can just make everything electronic ticketing and go paperless mm-hmm. ASAP because the amount right. of revenue that they could potentially lose on that concert in full, because Eric Church is not going to sell 25,000 of those seats mm-hmm. in that short period of time. Right. So you're going to lose like probably 10% or 15% of the possible earnings. So here's where your point, Kevin, about... Which, which, which at that point, so what you're talking about is like the money comes in, it's already been spent. Yeah. So it's like... like this stuff doesn't like sit around. It's it's in constant motion. Yeah. So like, and, and then if people don't buy those tickets and those tickets just sit and all there. Of a it's like, oop, oop. Who's eating the transaction fees is what I want to know on those, right? That was unclear. Well, yeah. that's the, the thing is with those transaction fees is that typically this is why... When you go to like like you know a Ticketmaster or a Live Nation or somewhere, they have like the credit card that's like tied in mm-hmm. because right, the credit right. card companies are plugged in, right? And they're getting part of that transaction fee in order to like you know allow for their credit cards to be the the sole card of Ticketmaster. And if you use yeah. a Mastercard there, then it's a less of a fee for them. So it's, so, it's that kind of situation. So assuming everybody's, that they used, everybody's getting a cut, yeah, right. Um, assuming they used a combination of like maybe like the billing address of the credit card and the frequency of transactions and maybe if the same person bought you know multiple shows and also there's uh, um, you can also check it with IP addresses too yeah so so you know apologies to like the uh, the privileged son of like a Russian diplomat uh, yeah. who <laughs> who wanted He's to go screwed. on Eric Church tour with forty of his closest bros <laughs> and, and it just looks like that purchase happened via like a server farm somewhere. Yeah, it's like Oops. Soviet Union church bros you yeah. <laughs> like no no Eric Church tour for you, Macedonia. I'm sorry. Like you, I think that moving okay, so the one the okay, so speaking of one percent of things where ticketless uh the paperless ticketing works, 
I, I've been to see the the Washington Wizards play like four times this year. And the one secret of the they're NBA, fucking awesome this year. They're phenomenal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The best ticket in town. And they're keeping Otto Porter, which is the best thing about next season. Now that exactly. they have cash to resign him, anyway. Right. So talking it, basketball. In any event, <laughs> um, the the great thing about the NBA is that the NBA is like the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate like. Again, we're talking about one percenter stuff. The National Basketball <laughs> Association is like the ultimate one percenter league, and yeah. so everything that they do. Especially for like you know marquee franchises that they care about, like the Washington Wizards, is that they're really all about like pushing the like paperless ticketing experience. So like people give me the ticket to go to the game. I've not bought a ticket to see the Wizards this year, thank yeah, God. Yeah. Because when you work in the music industry, you like you know a PR, and the PR is like, I have a ticket to the Wizards. Do you want to go? Absolutely, I want to <laughs> yes, go I see do. the Wizards. Yes, yes I do. Wait, this, that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> just, just this. This is why you just this is this. I'm telling you, this is the, the key to urban music, man. It's beautiful. Okay, I love it. Urban music, underground, independent urban music. It's a wonderful thing. So in any event, like you, I, I cover the raps. I know you do. I got, I got to plug you in. No. Okay. I gotta make you the plug. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so in any event, like I get the email from my friend. Yeah. Oh, it's a ticket, transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's transferred via email. Yeah. And I have to create my own separate email password. I have to literally join the Wizards ticketing service so they get to like scrape my email, scrape my address, scrape my credit card number because my ticket is on my credit card. Yep. Like the, you, you can only get the ticket, and they and they will hit you up to see if you want to buy a ten game. As as oh, as, as, as a former season ticket holder, I get called about once a month. The entire season. <laughs> so yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm, you know, like I'm good. Like they've they've really like, and they've plugged in with like like the the monumental sports network to make sure yep. that like I have cable. Yeah, it's the sports industry is very very different than I think what we're talking yeah, about but, they, they, because because what even like caps tickets. So, I, so I'm not a basketball fan yeah. per se, but I am a, a hockey fan. Caps tickets are are always cheaper on StubHub unless but, you get into the good sections, right? But, is, yeah. That, is that yeah? Yeah. But and, we're at yeah. the Eric Church level, which is the same thing to me. Like there's like those yeah. different gradations of the music industry when you're like Eric Church and you're selling out a hundred thousand seat stadiums. Mm -hmm. That's that level where like it makes sense at this point if you're go if if Eric Church go out there and invalidate twenty five thousand point of sales, which is bananas. Yeah, like that, that's it, that's the argument for every single artist that is over a certain threshold to just say, okay, nope, paperless ticketing. Let's and, get and rid if, of this. And, and if he and if he himself doesn't just go to paperless ticketing. Then, then we're going to be having another discussion because we need to look into yeah. it and find out what the fuck this is right. about. I want, to see, I want to see what Chance the Rapper does with this, with with not with this, not this tour. Probably Chance, the next tour you know, after that. I I didn't think about that, but he's actually really good at this. Yeah, he goes after people. Right. Okay. Because hmm. like he shows up at the door with the baseball bat. We're we're telling you here first. Right. Like he shows up with a baseball <laughs> bat. Uh, no. <laughs> Tim and Donnie trumpet. Yeah, him and Donnie trumpet. <laughs> But, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. It's that's like not, for, that's not real, man. No, I mean, <laughs> You're not peace news. But there's there's the thing where like we've now created this situation where an artist like Chance, mm -hmm. and there'll be other artists I think as well, right. that will become fully independent, quote unquote, independent, yeah. and be able to like you know, and his to whole entire touring squad is a, a squad that he purchases their time. Mm -hmm. Like, hey guys, I'm going on tour. Here's the check. Let's go. Yeah. Like and if he goes to those kinds of things and other artists I can think of and name name me any jam band yeah. that does big business like that Fish. if they mm -hmm. do that right 
then that's where we start to see the movement. So I think that the one thing about this thing is that it's like a big like line in the sand moment where like if you continue to deal with scalpers and deal with third party, then you're going down a path where it's only going to be potentially fraught with more like, you know, issues. Yeah. But yeah. if you do what he's doing, then you can move to a, a, a situation that's a lot simpler, a lot easier. And, and where we're headed. But, but, but I'm sorry, but is the point to get rid of the third well, that, party market? That, because that, that, I actually find the third party market to be, you know, I mean, it's 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 like anything else that it's a convenience that if you're willing to pay for that, you didn't have to get the Beyonce tickets the day they went on sure, sale sure. that a week out. You can be like, hey, you know, I'd like the, to do the, this the nice point, thing the, for my wife. The point and, is that, that yeah, can, I'm going to pay a little that, bit more. That can exist. Yeah. But that when you have a, a venue that has like says sells twelve hundred tickets, let's say. Right. And, 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 club, and yeah, right. and fifty percent of them, which is this has happened. Yeah, fifty percent of them end up on StubHub two seconds after. There's a percentage of that that is hey, Green Day. Yeah, Green Day. Green, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, so there, there's a percentage of people that go specifically to buy it to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's defining the line and figuring out if if you're going to have the secondary market, figuring out okay. How do you balance that? How do you get the people who are legit doing that? How do you get because again the, we yeah I guess my my only issue my only issue with the third party market is to the extent that you know they're they're if they're using algorithms and 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 things of that nature to try to sweep up tickets people otherwise would be buying. I think if they're sort of fill, if they're filling a void of seats, let's say it's a twelve hundred seat venue. And, you know, within the first hour, you're, you you sell 800 of those, then I don't have a problem with the secondary market coming in and sweeping up the last 400. But if it's a situation where it's a 1,200-seat venue and you've got 2,000 people wanting to purchase tickets yeah, it's, and it's, then the it's, secondary it's a, markets are picking, up, are picking up 50% of those tickets, and, that's, that's the point at which I would start to have a problem yeah. with what the third-party market is doing. To me, the music industry is just cold right now. Like to be honest, like yeah. that's the thing. It's like it's a almost cold... like a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Future podcast, Ian. Future podcast. Okay, so we were, we were talking about this upstairs. Yeah, it's like okay, so the music industry it's is this cold. cold place where it's like literal pennies that we're worried about right now. Yeah. So like, if if somebody's putting your ticket on a third party site and you're not seeing that revenue. As an artist, oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be, yeah. I'd be sitting there. I'd be like, why? But it's not, it's not if you're an artist. Actually, that's the most troubling part. It's crazy. If you're the venue. It. If you're not even the venue, it's Ticketmaster. It's <laughs> Live Nation. It's the right. people whose right. entire business model is predicated upon. There are ten artists that are left. Yeah, yeah. And we have to make the exact same money we made off of hundred artists. hundred artists right. off of right. these ten yeah. artists, and this third party site is inflating these prices to a level where we could actually make the same money we used to make if we controlled the third-party site. I mean... That's what you've seen in sports. I mean, to go back to sports, I mean, that is what you've seen in sports. You've seen a lot of these companies, or a lot of these teams working with... 76ers do it. Uh, the Chicago Cubs have were, yeah. I think, one of the first ones to do it, to um, really work with StubHub and... 
uh, all the ticket, all the third party vendors and get, to and get a provide cut. them and to, yeah, and to get a cut of the third party market. And you have right. a lot of people who like sports seasons are long, <laughs> right? Especially baseball and right, right. basketball and hockey. So season ticket not, holders, not and I know, I know a couple of like Nats season ticket holders and Wizards people. And it's like, and, and, and they want the, all the perks that come from having that season ticket subscription, but they don't want to be at the stadium 41 or 81 nights out right, of the year. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and, and most of them do use StubHub or whatever. And that's, and, and they take, they take a huge, um, you know, they have to, um, they Usually basically, take a bath those, yeah. yeah, yeah, you do. It's like, it's like, it's like 9% on each side or something like that. It's mm. a, yeah. a significant fee, but. So basically, we're back where we started. This is a this is a really big problem <laughs> in the industry that affects everybody. Yeah, uh, we have. I I still say uh, paperless ticketing is the way to go. Agreed. And and I think it's time to rip off the band aid. And I think and I I, I don't think I know it's going to put uh, possibly people like promoters of like Rockman Hotel and DC Nine out of business. Yeah. Uh, unless unless they are able to pivot. Well, yeah. It's going to put smaller clubs out of business. It won't affect people like Live Nation or MP. But it is something that absolutely needs to happen if if we're serious yeah. about this. But when you do that, you also have to build in – like the idea that you can't build this in is just dumb as fuck. You have to build in – if your babysitter cancels, right? like up to 24 hours, you can sell it back to the thing. You don't get the right to sell it to whoever you want to. You can sell it back to the yeah. point of origin. Not to belabor the point, but one final thing to say about mm-hmm. this. Um, there's going to come a point where ideally, in my mind, the solution is the venues or the artists do lotteries with the remaining tickets. Where, say, like, look at Chance, because Chance's face is in my face right here on your poster. Where Chance is like, okay, I have 322 tickets left to this show that I'm doing at Fillmore Silver Spring. And if you go to Chance's... $25 tickets.com.org slash net at, you know, 4.10 p.m. Slash gov. Right, exactly. (laughs) And you you sign up with your $25, you're immediately put into the lottery. And you answer this questionnaire or play this game or whatever, or if it's an app-based thing where you... Right, but it's it's going to have to be, like, (laughs) consumer-friendly. Because let's be clear, none of this shit, like... if you piss off your fans, yeah, like none of this shit matters. If you piss mm-hmm. off your fans by doing all this stuff, they'll just drop you, and then you won't sell any tickets. Right, which was sure my point. Is. Which was my point earlier about saying right. this is kind of a do no harm thing as opposed to yep. a yeah. minimize the harm because the one guy who gets fucked over by by this is gonna like resent go to you the forever. News, <laughs> yeah. Resent you forever. Yeah. He's gonna have yeah. Facebook posts and tw- and his whole Twitter feed is gonna be lighting up about you know. Eric Church wouldn't let me in to see his show, and I'm burning his T-shirt. The one, the one Fuck point, that guy. the one point we haven't made that we usually do make when we talk about this bullshit mm-hmm. is is the <laughs> fact that that all of the major ticket sellers have stakes in the secondary market. Yes, they do. Uh, companies, flies. and the fact that 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 is legal is such a fucking breach of the spirit of, <laughs> you know of like you know if we had responsible capitalism like sheriffs wouldn't be allowed to own prisons in the south like they do when doctors when, wouldn't when, be allowed to own hospitals man, and Ticketmaster could not own StubHub. when you are up at the uh, baker's dozen covering fish for 12 nights for us hard pass you, you go you go you go hard, you go talk, pass. <laughs> you, you go talk to Guido. You're, glaze, it's a hard glaze, pass because sasha said no glaze it's, on it's, brother uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, let's talk about some Miles Mosley. Yes. Uprising. I'm not sure how many albums he has out, but this is one that is a direct result of his uh, his participation along with the rest of the West Coast Get Down, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, one Kendrick Lamar's album, one Kamasi Washington's album. This crew uh, is the modern day wrecking crew. Yep. Far sure. none. This is, and if you don't know who that is, kids, we will put a link to the documentary in the show Got notes. To. It's G O O G L E dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> It is. It is. It, they are fucking amazing. This group is amazing. They are. We have seen uh, since those two landmark albums, uh, solo projects leaks out from that Thundercat. We're going to be talking about uh, in a few weeks, probably. Has an album that's going to be coming out. Uh, th- this is just the, to my mind, the highest form of of this is what collaborators should do. They should like make their big thing and then just you compared it to the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know who, who this guy would be. But uh, base man, he's Iron Man. <laughs> he's Iron Man. Uh, yeah, maybe. But uh, basically, uh, this guy Miles Mosley is training in classical music and jazz at the uh, Colburn School of Music in downtown LA, which I believe Kamasi Washington was. Yes. That's where all these guys met. I think that's where uh, they all met. He, he, yeah. says, he says he picked up the upright bass because it was the only one at a school who, who uh, that he didn't have to bring home with him. Which is like just being lazy as shit, but, <laughs> but it shows like how his dedication is because just even on that song, the the sounds he gets out of that mm-hmm. are yes. fucking amazing. Yes. He uses and this is nothing new. He uses a bunch of pedals, uh, his, uh, uh, vocals, well, that's new, and horn sections. Upright though, huh? I mean that's kind of unique for upright. Yeah, I mean you put a pickup in it, man. It, I, I, it is unique in the recording work. Yeah, uh, but you would do it, right? Yeah, I, I also yeah. I also probably can't play an upright. No, 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 no. <laughs> like literally cannot. <laughs> he has recorded with artists besides Kamasi and Kendrick, like Chris Cornell, Jonathan Davis, Everlast, Terrence Howard, Joni Mitchell. I consider yeah. that. Yeah, right. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Lauren Hill. He mm-hmm. was the leader of her, her yes. touring band. Narles Barkley, Jeff Beck, Common. Christina Aguilera, uh, Lisa Carlson, and, and the aforementioned Kamasi Washington. A lot of L.A. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of L.A. people. Uh, to, to put it bluntly, this is one bad motherfucker. <laughs> uh, and and here and here he is now. Yeah. With uh, maybe his bad motherfucking album. So what yeah. do you think, Marcus? Um, it's a great thing with him being like a bass dude with an upright bass. It's like James Jamerson, right? 
Like, James yeah. Davidson never got to release, like, a solo record when he was in the Funk Brothers and playing for Motown yeah. at the height of his career. Mm-hmm. And so I listen to this record and I go, you know, if James Jamerson would have had the opportunity, <laughs> like, on Motown or Tamla or, you know, right, right, it would have right. been on a secondary imprint because Barry wanted to really risk the big budget on him. <laughs> but, you know, it would have been on, like, Tamla. A, yeah, Tamla. Tamla stuff, it would have yeah. released a Tamla record. It probably would have sounded like this. And he would have tried to sing, and he would have gotten all of his buddies to, like, play some stuff they normally don't play. And he would have, like, found some, some, some other session musicians that are out there that weren't in Funk Brothers and tried to pull them in for, like, you know, some stuff. And that's what he does here. And that's, like, the, that's the, the, the highlight, I think, of the album, is that all of the people that are here are, like, free from, like, the very, like, not to say that they've been in a constricted space. Mm-hmm. But in the last two or three years, with the music that they've been playing, it's been very much strictly in this, like, 1975 jazz soul idiom. Right. Like, right locked into that thing. And it's, and it's, it's a very that's specific... that's what Kendrick like, wanted. It's a, it's yeah. a faithful... It's a dedication to yeah, that. Yeah, and it's a very specific part of that <clears throat> thing, even. Like... You can like parse that and find like a very specific like subset of that mm-hmm. that they have been playing very deeply within. You get into this record and there's like New Orleans funk and there's like actual like hip hop, you know, there's yeah. like 60s soul in there. There's all sorts of Stevie. There's, there's 80s R&B ass. There's yeah. R&B. Right. Like, my, my, my sort of like secret so ingredient in this is like, it's actually, yeah, pre-Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Like freaky, styly era <laughs> Chili Peppers. Oh, he plays played with the Vince Sevenfold. Which is part of the Chili Peppers thing. way too much credit, dude. I mean, he's played with the Vince Sevenfold, so he knows the deal. On a couple of songs, yes. Yeah. I think overall in the album. You can't overuse your secret ingredient. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good one. I will say my my like overall take on this album. I and I come at this obviously from a, a musician and a composing standpoint. There's fantastic, brilliant stuff that he does from a composing standpoint. Um, I feel like his voice is not very strong. Yeah, and it really kind of kept me from taking this album from like a I, I was saying earlier from like an eighty-five to a ninety-eight or something like that. Um, and I also. Yeah, maybe I also watched a little too much of NBC's The Voice <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with well, Gwen Stefani's well, it's back good, on this and, season. And before we get further, I do want to mention the members of this West Coast Get Down, uh, which is which is we'll just do a roll call because these guys because they sound fantastic. These guys on the literally are the uh, most important force in music today. I think literally Dri- driving the street. And if you want to hear all, like Mark Maron did a. Fantastic interview with Kamasi Washington. So fantastic! Huh, I haven't heard that. It is you not yeah, quite yeah, as yeah, long I, as I, the I, epic <laughs> <laughs> because nothing is. You nothing know why? Because it's, it's called the fucking epic, guys. Thirteen like, minute jams, brother. Uh, does does but, Mark Maron spend any time during that reminiscing on when he knew Louis back in the day and how he just couldn't quite yeah bring himself yeah, to do what Louis did around minute twenty seven like he does every interview? I yeah, mean, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm fine making thirty percent of what Louis makes. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Uh, no. So, so the West Coast Get Down is is this guy Miles Mosley on upright bass and vocals, Tony Austin on drums. He's also an engineer. Obviously, Kamasi Washington tenor sax, Ryan Porter on trombone, Cameron Graves on piano, Ronald Bruner Jr. on drums, who is the brother of one Stephen Thundercat Bruner on bass, and Brandon Coleman on keyboards. Yeah, that's here, here. this unit is unstoppable. That's very they strong. know their history. Yeah. 
and uh, that might not be a good thing. Well, I mean, well, I, you know, to the voice criticism on this, I, I don't feel that. I, I feel that because, because what I was saying to you earlier is that back in the 70s and early 80s, you had albums like this where people just didn't make, need to make an album, but they did anyways. And the example I gave, which is going to, this is going to be hot take and controversial. Okay. <laughs> Is, yeah, is, bring it on. is Luther Vandross. There's no fucking good Luther Vandross songs. None. You're going to cry? You're going to fight me? Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. But here's, Uh-oh. here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. You go to Luther Vandross for the voice. And it doesn't matter what Luther Vandross sings. It doesn't matter what he says. He could be singing like, oh, I'm killing babies. You know, it doesn't like, <laughs> It doesn't matter. Never too much. Never too much. Never yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. It do, it doesn't matter what he's doing. You go to it for the voice, and you stay for the voice. That's it. You know. So with with Mosley, you're going to it for the bass, and I, and mm. I and I sort of think that he knows this. Go mm. go. Okay. So it's it's first on Luther. Yeah. No, 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 no. Luther because if like Sarah Godfrey were here, she would have hopped up off the couch and beaten you. Yeah, I, I would have gotten the shit smacked out of me. Exactly. So in any event, um, the better comparative is um, Curtis Mayfield, who like okay. yeah. Okay, so like the thing that makes this record like not catching for me is the voice thing. It's it, I feel the same way, and it's because when Curtis would sing. He operated in that higher register. Say they were like Philip Bailey and like all of right. the great like non singing ass singers who sang songs in the nineteen seventies. Easy love Philip Bailey. He's a soprano. Yes, <laughs> like he's a soprano. Well, yeah, you if yeah. you could float in that upper register yeah. with strength, then it's okay. Like if you listen yeah. to like like I've listened to um, the Makings of You by Curtis Mayfield like a hundred times in the last month because I watched Claudine, which is the movie it's from from nineteen seventy four. And, and he kills in that upper register. He's he's like locked in there. Yeah. Like Miles Mosley hits it, but he doesn't like. He's not there strong. He's not strongly in there. He's not and, strong in the upper register, and that that hurts him on a song like Sky High, which is supposed to be anthemic. Right. And he and, Dude, and when he gets because it's actually it's a beautiful song, and 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 again from a from a compositional standpoint, brilliant stuff that he has going on. But I feel like there's there, there's that point. A lot of this music, I feel like, needs strong vocals, right? It, because but, it, because it's very soul influenced and yeah. it's very jazz influenced. Let, let's hear a little bit about that uh, about that song or a little bit of that song yeah, right yeah. now. Because yeah. to give a sample, you're talking about, yes. this is, and it's the point where he says "sky high," where I feel like he kind right. of struggles. This is, this is "sky up. high" off of Miles Mosley's Uprising. Getting old ain't a young man's game. I know, cause I've grown. Gonna stop hurting you, get used to the pain. I know, got some of my own. The going never gets easy. You hope, you hope for the long haul. I can prove my weight in gold, stack my back with the heavy load. I'm gonna shine through all seasons. Yeah. I'm as big as I'll ever grow Stronger than I'll ever need Not wise, but that will never be Sky high, Leviathan The great God among men Do you like what you see? 
Yeah, so I was saying, like, we're well, off, off, off mic. We were talking about how uh, the one great thing about this entire crew of musicians is that they're daring as hell. Like, they're just, they're just fucking like out there trying to do the best that they can do right. at all times. Like, there's no like minimalization of like talent here. Like, Miles Mosley can play the upright bass better than 99% of the people that play upright bass in the world. 99.9. So, yeah. when, when you have somebody at that level of musical talent, right. and we're also at a point in the music industry where, like, there's not, Amit Erdogan is not in the room. <laughs> and, you know, like, they meet any other great number of other musical executives. Uh, John Hammond. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, uh, yeah, like any anybody who would have... The had, Colonel. like, uh, executive production credit on this record. It's not in the room to say, no. Yeah. So when Miles Mosley turns in the record, no. and you're like, and you just don't, and you're just awed by the fact that this man, who is better than 99.8% of the people who mm-hmm. play this instrument in the world, who compose music in the world, and you're like, okay, your vocal is, like, a 7 out of 10. You can't say that. Yeah, because you don't have that level of like. Well, but I don't. I, I mean, ability to even say that. I'll, i I mean, I think I'll register a minority opinion, which is that I don't, I don't care if Miles Mosley is in some absolute sense a you know a sort of top one percent singer or not. I care about how the songs on this record sound. Yeah, and I think they sound really fucking good. I don't hear him like That's on that chorus. Yeah. I don't hear him. I don't hear him stepping back. I don't hear him like you know seeing a big note and kind of hiding from it. I think. Um, he his, doesn't. His... He doesn't. But the studio gives you. But the studio does give you that license to be able to take several shots to hit that high note. But uh, right. but but so I think I would be put off if there were like, um, you know, I think there's this record. Part of what I love about it is that, um, as I told uh, Kevin a couple of weeks ago, like even though this band is like so well critically regarded, and there's there's no, I don't think any catnip for music critics here. But I think for people who like, you know, horns and sort of seventies soul. And who like a sort of you know kind of crunchy uh, version of R and B? I think this album is just fucking well, for sure. And it's it's working man's jazz. Yeah, so this album has not really been extensively reviewed. Like no, I was on yeah. Metacritic, and and the 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 top ranked review was in Portuguese. So I don't, I don't know if I was being profiled there, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I didn't see a lot of English language publications covering but, but, this, which can is I, criminal. Can I can I, can I yeah. just make one, one last point on, yeah. on on the vocals because. Okay, two two last points on the vocals. The first is that overall, I really dig the musicality. I dug a lot of the songs in this album. I dug a lot of the the, the sensations. I think he's a tremendous composer. Obviously, a, a brilliant bass player. To me, the vocals, this type of music, the way that, that that it has so much soul and so much resonance. I mean, that is that is the playground of brilliant vocalists. Is, is like soul about music. Porter. I mean, you know, Gregory, uh, I mean, great when, album that we missed last year. You know, I mean, my thinking on this album vocally, I think that he's such a brilliant jazz musician. I would have liked to maybe seen him step back and some of these songs maybe been instrumental and maybe some of them have guest vocalists who could really just right. nail these. So let me unpack that or, or, or like looking at that, explore that a little bit, because where I, I'm on Eduardo's side, and and I find myself more and more this year specifically, uh, as I dive more into jazz than than pop or indie or anything else really. Uh, I don't need it to be perfect across the board. I need to feel it. That's all I need. And 
if I feel it, I I forgive flaws. I like flaws. Flaws Mm. flaws are what, even if you don't know what it is. But what is it about, like, because you're a much bigger jazz person than I am. What is it do you think it is about that makes us initially go towards, like, Oh shit! If you just had this perfect voice on it, like, is it something we're hearing that we're like it reminds us of something else, or is it it like because it's something I think a lot about and can, what and, we what we like and what we dislike and the reasons why. And, and can I add an, uh, like an annex to that question, yeah. which is like if you had these sort of like guest spots and all that, doesn't it just become like I don't want I don't want to. You know, like I don't want to like a Robert Glasper record. Yeah, Christian. <laughs> I was, that's that's I was, brilliant. That's one for Christian McBride, actually. <laughs> Q, who, like, Q the who sizzle. Is... <laughs> yeah, no. So, so like Christian McBride has put together a lot of albums that get a lot of love yeah. from great, jazz critics. Great comp. Yeah. yeah, I don't. You know, none of those albums move me in the same way. I have never listened to any Christian McBride album as many times in the in the in a three month span as I've listened to this album since totally we got the fair. Totally yeah. fair. So, totally what do you think fair. that is? I mean, if it moves to uh. uh... I mean, anybody can answer this. This isn't just yeah. you. What do you What do you think that is? Because very often we all go down that road and just be like, "Well, if it was just like this, and the, the album, the album that actually started me, <laughs> we're gonna piss off more right now." That actually started me. You know what I'm gonna say? Uh, of of basically trying to let go of that was Foxygen. Yeah. Because if you yeah. it, because uh, if you think they must about be mentioned on if, every episode, if, if you think about if you think about anything with Foxygen, you will hate that fucking album. Okay. If you just go like. Well, just, take happened. Happened. just take it up. Just take it up. happened. It's the Suicide okay. Squad of Here's music. Just take it in. <laughs> the, 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 sad, <laughs> the saddest thing about like jazz music and soul music, especially, is that some of the the greatest artists who have ever made music made that music. Like, and right. you saw, you heard them on these records at their right. absolute best. best. Mm-hmm. Like, you you can't yeah. tell me that when you hear a song like that. And if you listen to something that Curtis Mayfield did, let me use Curtis again, because I've been listening to Curtis a lot recently. Like, you listen to, like, what Miles is doing, you listen to what Curtis is doing, and you're like, this record is demonstrably better than that record. And this is literally parsing hairs between, like, 0.001 and 0.002% of all created music. But, but so, like, did I I send you the, uh, say how you pronounce his name, Uh, Margio Schulten record? No. So, this is this is sort of what I'm talking about. This is a guy. He is apparently the biggest jazz guitarist in the Netherlands. Okay, right? Popped up on an alternative folk. That was, I think, what I yeah. sent you. It's a lovely album. It doesn't do much. It doesn't need to do much, which I think is sure. a lot. What this does. This is just Miles Mosley. Like that album is just this guy playing guitar. Like here's my feelings. If you want to enjoy my other feelings, here's ten other albums. Like, and this is. With this, even though they're they're vocals, it is jazz based. I mean, it's funk, yeah. uh, and and this is sort of like Miles Mosley just saying, "Okay, here's how I feel right now. I'm not trying to make any statement except I'm I just want to play." And one of yeah. my favorite things about that is I, I was actually thinking I had this weird flash today to um to thinking about how um, "Dancing in the Streets" became such a civil rights uh, movement protest song. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's 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 really it's on its surface just about just how about much dancing. fun it is to get together and <laughs> yeah, dance, right? right? So and 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 it somehow carried the same emotional resonance as like the times they are changing, or stuff by Josh White Jr. or Phil Oaks or you know yeah. all these other sort of Pete Seeger, um, and this this to me sort of does that too without ever calling attention or 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 talking about explicitly any of the issues that uh, that we're dealing with today. It just 
kind of makes these emotions well up in me and makes me want to go out and, and do things and be better and make the world better without actually calling on me to do that. And right. yeah. I'll say that it's the heartbreaking efforts of others is yeah, the, that's the a, song that does all of the stuff that we're talking about on this album the best. It is beautifully written. Mm-hmm, His right. vocal performance is more than what is required for the song. A bass solo for the ages, like yeah. like most of the songs do, but but this one has a really... And there's like yeah. just virtuoso musicianship, and yeah. there's all those pieces. And if there's like one song that to me goes, okay, that's not Young Lion, because Young Lion can yeah. be on the, the soundtrack of every mm-hmm. Black Exploitation film that I like. And fit perfectly. It's also one of the best songs of the decade already. Like, yeah, I, I just, you hear it and it's just automatically on your ear and best fantastic. list. Fantastic. But when you hear this song, you'll hear like all the stuff that I feel like we're talking about done in a way that like puts it next to like all the other stuff that the has drum, existed before. The drums on the chorus, the way they just, yeah, yeah it's just. So yeah. Let's, uh, let's yeah. take a listen to a little bit yeah. of this. This is a heartbreaking efforts of others off of Miles Mosley's Uprising. Those who mean well intend to do right. Often fall victim to oversight. Pandora's pandemic bites up lies. Sunk my ship before with soft and matting eyes. The plus side is a minus when we two divide. You dance for gold. I sing for Efforts of others uh, of Miles Mosley's uprising. Yeah, that, every, everything that we were talking about is, is, is in there, and I think that well, is to the point. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, well. Okay. All right. So I'm going to get back one last time because I don't. I don't want to seem like I'm bagging so on it. Lawyer I really in every did, crowd. No. I really did. I, I, I really. I really do love a lot of what's going on in this album. This song actually is kind of proof of my point of the vocals and you you asked you asked the question earlier why is that so important i just actually kind of did like a little mental check in my head favorite vocalists Mm -hmm. of all time and it was like soul singer soul singer soul singer soul singer soul singer i mean to me it's music that requires if it's going to have vocals it requires tremendous vocals (laughs) right that's and that's i that's really my only my only my only beef on because i'm actually very very high on this album. Very positive on this album. Yeah. I get I get that same kind of sense. I mean, anything that's funky, jazzy, solely is just going to hit me right mm. in my sort of musical so, so Taj, G spot. Taj Mahal is not by any measure a great vocalist, right? Right. I also but, don't but find unique, myself listening to Taj Mahal. But unique for his on the record in uh, his on the regular idiom, that, uh, yeah. the thing that he does. Like, there's a uniqueness in his voice. Like, it's a he's allowed because everything <laughs> that he does is like created and crafted in this way that is like. Unique and unto itself. So, like, if my, like, so, okay, so, like, the last track on this album, mm-hmm. Fire, right? Fire, yeah. If every single song on this album yeah. was Fire, it would be like Xenia Rubinos, uh, for instance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who is also, by no stretch, the world's greatest vocalist ever. But she's damn great. She's just and, the greatest everything else. And her voice <laughs> fits her music because she has crafted yeah. this whole thing that's like, 
literally whatever I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do. Yeah. But this record starts off the way it starts off. And then it goes it, it, into it the, the lanes yeah. that it goes into that are these like well-worn lanes. And that's another thing that I want to say about everybody that you're going to hear from that played on to Pippa Butterfly this year. You remember last year I said everybody who played on this record was going to be like the biggest thing, but I, I, I missed it by a year. Yeah. Because it was just Kamasi <laughs> and everybody else was like taking too long to record. Yeah. A, no, a note, by the way, alongside this, to people who make R&B music in the year of our Lord 2017, don't take so long in the studio. <laughs> I'm not saying this to anybody in particular. You're but, not Frank Ocean. Yeah, hey, you know, I, I'm not trying to build stairs either. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, you still build the stairs. <laughs> but neither here nor there. The worst HGTV show ever. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, so like, these guys are at the pinnacle of the industry. Mm. And all they're trying to do is make the records that they feel like they're supposed to make. That's that's the one thing yeah. I'll say about this yeah, album, yeah. is that there's another Miles Mosley record that's going to follow this that's actually the album he wants to make. The same thing for, like, actually in the sense that, like, he's I, I, I he's making a soul record here. This is specifically and implicitly well, a soul th- album. Think about think about these are all session musicians, and think about all the, all the essentially, and think about all the different things that they have to play with. I, I I would actually like disagree with you on that a hundred percent. I I think this is exactly the album he wanted to make, yeah. and he wanted to show like all the sides of his stuff, mm-hmm. and and it is. But there's his, more sides, and his. Well, of course there is. He's got right. a career. He's going to keep going. Yeah. But but to your point about the vocals, like he, I think he knows he's not a vocalist and doesn't care. He is yeah. he's doing his thing, like. He, if you're playing punk or if you're playing indie rock or if you're playing so, folk, I guess you can get away if, with that. If you're, if you're, if you're, playing, if you're, you're playing if you're a lot Kendrick, of soul. Yeah, if you're Kendrick's bass player and you're Kamasi's bass player, you're set for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we be clear about that? Yes. Fair you, point. You, Fair you, point. You have a gig. Yeah. That, that Australian right? tour will pay your, your rent right. for so, the next so 20 if, years. if you're that guy and then somebody comes to you and says, oh, hey, here's a little money. Do you want to make something? Wait, what do you do? Do you be like, nah, I'm good sitting back? Or, yeah, let's do this. And they all got that call. They all did, yeah. And they're all releasing records. Yeah. But Kamazi did it. He wasn't singing on his album. I mean, well, Kamazi Kamazi made 13 minute long songs, too. Yeah, Kamasi's, yeah, I mean. (laughs) But that was also like a very genre specific. Right. uh, Album. And and, and this is not, you know, and I. He's playing in a genre. It's played a in bunch which of different ones. The, the greatest vocalists of all time have played, and so I guess the way I look at it is this: he's he's a brilliant, brilliant bass player. He's a brilliant composer. Songwriter too. If he songwriter was, too. Songwriter too. Songwriter too. And and Kevin yeah. and I were talking about this upstairs. Uh, tremendous. Like I, I I mean I I appreciate the songwriting touches, the compositional touches. Like There's I get like I get a lot of the details. If you didn't do others. anything else except sing, we'd all be like. Mm. Like if he wasn't a brilliant bass player, I agree. If he but, wasn't... but he's doing a lot more than no, singing. I, I, I get that, and that's and that's <laughs> yeah. why ultimately, you know, I mean, spoiler alert. Ultimately, I mean, I'm going to recommend the album. It's, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a great <laughs> yeah, album. Yeah. I, I don't. I, again, I don't want to seem like I'm bagging on the album or I'm bagging on Miles. Okay. But, no, no, we're, we're having a, we're having a critical discussion. I'll, I'll tell a funny... Instead of just glossing over it yeah. and being like, here's an 8.4, motherfucker. But, I'll, but I'll, oh, wow, <laughs> wow, that's that's a shot at the yeah. The it's old... not. P4K. Decim- decimal points are for pansies. Let's just hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I got a couple to give in a couple of weeks, so I don't even say that. 
Hi, um, hi, Jason Green. No I feel work like here anymore, but sorry. Thank you. I feel like <laughs> I feel friends. like my record collection is full of awesome soul albums with singers on those records that are definitely less capable than than Mosley is on here, and I love mm. those fucking records. Like, um, and 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 part yeah. of what I love about that is like, oh well, he was just this dude who played with someone else, and it was the seventies, so like. Hey, if you were on enough records, you eventually got to cut your own. Yeah. Right. Whether you were a great singer or not, whether you had like great material or not, which is which is one of the great things about about that about that era. But but um, I have like I just I, I think I said it earlier, like I just cannot really put into words like how enjoyable the experience of listening to this album is for me from beginning to end. Like I I put it on and it, and all I want is this album for like the rest of the day and. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I've since I've had that kind of response to I'll tell you, uh, hit me up with something that's like totally like the the craziest funniest thing you'll probably hear in a long I'm long ready. time. I have five of my friends who sing. They're that well, we'll say like one or two of them are my friends. The other three of them are people that I know in a professional sense who are all, all soul friends are sitting artists. Sitting there right now, like which one? Are who are, are all soul <laughs> artists who have released music in the last eighteen to twenty four months. They are all currently. Working out on treadmills, running and singing at the exact same time because the one fear that they have about their craft is that they don't have enough breath to be able to sing the songs that they have crafted in the way that they want to sing them. Oh, wow. Which is one of those things that, like, when he tours this record, I will say this when Miles Mosley goes on tour to sing this record, He's not going to sound like he does here at all. You know what? Again, I, I'm not trying to be downing again. So we we saw him open for, or not open, he was in Kamasi's band. Yeah. Right? And the way Kamasi's show works is that it, it starts off as a giant unit. Yeah. And then it, it sort of breaks off into its Voltron pieces, and you have like your drum solo, you have his dad come out, and you have and you have Miles's place, and and Miles was doing a lot of this material, or at least this type of material. It sounds exactly like this. Yeah, but when I, but I'm saying when but when you have the the big push, when you get the the pitchfork review that's coming, yeah, and when you get the you know, the all the love, and it's like time to do the big tour, we'll see. And, and you got the big dates, and you know Europe, and you're you're looking at like. This record's going to get positively reviewed. So there's another record that's coming. Mm-hmm. So this is the beginning of a career. He's, he's probably wanted for his whole entire life. So at this point, it's like, okay, okay I play this music. that make, I, I make 10 times the money I do as a solo artist mm-hmm. playing music for people. But I also right. have this avenue now that's open where I can record albums. I can record solo albums of my own mental creation. So like, it behooves him. To like bolster that thing that he has to do to like okay make yeah, those yeah, records great yeah, yeah like that's the thing I mean but the but the this... counter argument to that is that that's why it's so important that this that his introductory album be all him right yeah. oh no so that, I agree. so that so that later on if he does have like a guest spot or someone else involved they can't say like well you know Miles couldn't do that on his own yeah right I mean, because he's it, shown he can this record is brilliant like it is it's like it's it's oh god yeah, it is it is it's like. It, it frustrates me. Like this album, literally frustrates me. I think that, and you, I feel you said something earlier. You said well worn, and I think that there's always a place in music for things that are well worn, insofar as they feel familiar, but yeah. but then but then they're fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. what this is. It's well worn, but it's for, but but still fresh. Right. Like I I love it. The, the the another thing about this record that I love 
is that I love all of the pieces that he takes from like genres that have absolutely nothing to do with soul music and sprinkles them in. Like there's yep. like right, red hot chili right, peppers, right. and then there's like that, like you know. Again, I'll get back to fire. Stop saying that. Again, no, I'll get back <laughs> to fire, style, and I'll say that like, men don't kill coyotes. In fire, there's like you know, like this like whole like Delta Funk New Orleans like yeah. thing that yeah, happens, yeah. and you're just like. Oh my God! Like I and, and it's the same thing when I heard Zinnia nice. Rubinos like yeah, mention yeah. her again when she goes into like the Alan Toussaint like you know preservation society thing and you're like oh my God I did not know that people still made music like this and it's a good feeling. Um, the thing about Heartbreak efforts that I love is that it has the same drum pattern as Fuel by Ani DeFranco, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'm like almost like <laughs> it's just it's just funky. And it's like, it's the ability that he has because he's a session musician and he's played on 8 trillion sessions of all different genres of music to be able to go, that's funky in any... and to yeah, that point, to that point, and I, and I want to wrap this up, but I want to, I want to sort of elaborate on that point so that we all understand what we're. What we, I think we stated but what we're talking about here. If you go back to rock and roll, and I think I said this last year, if you go back to rock and roll, and you think about bands that came out, which were the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Cream, like the all Stones. the British bands, but the, the the Stones. What they all had in common, especially Led Zeppelin, was. <laughs> Eduardo. I saw you. I saw you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was that they were all session musicians? Yes. And they were. They did this for a long time, and they were made. Jeff Beck, God. who he's played with, and those motherfuckers changed the history of music. Mm-hmm. Well, let's no bullshit here. I mean, session musicians are typically the best musicians mm-hmm. around. They are anywhere mm-hmm. ever. I mean, but they also no, don't normally get the attention. They don't, and they no, don't normally get. They don't a seek it out. Of, like, because they don't, they don't, they don't out, necessarily Thundercat, specialize. We yeah. were listening to it earlier. Yeah. That's out. There's going to be more and more. Like this whole crew is going to have yeah. this. This is happening. Yes. And 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 it may. Uh, I mean, look, Kendrick changed the face of music. Yeah. But it may. Uh, it may very. We may very be on the cusp of something that's like we're kinda, in the middle of it right now. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like so, all these. Let's start with Eduardo. an uprising, an uprising of <laughs> yeah, yeah, of, of, of the young of session musicians. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like so, so Eduardo, what are you gonna do? Uh, I've already bought this on vinyl in yes, case that yes. wasn't in case that wasn't obvious. And I love and I love the Zania comp because I hear you know I think I think the sort of unspoken uh, character on in this music is probably the city of L.A. and like in its yeah. glorious messiness in the same way that New York is sort of a character on mm-hmm. on Zania's album. Um, but no, I mean, I just think it's, I like, I'm going to be talking about this album again a lot in December, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so. Ian? Yeah, we didn't even, I don't think really even talk much about the LA kind of angle of yeah. this album yeah. and all these musicians, which is uh, a great point. I, I, I am also going to pick it up on vinyl. Yeah. So two buys, we get around the uh, industry. No, I'll Dylan? tell people to try it out because here's okay. the thing. Um, all these guys are putting out, out uh, records Every single one of them. And they're all going to be great. And this is the great gateway drug to, like, where this thing is going. Like, not not to, like, blow the cover of the, the Thundercat album, but if you listen to Miles Mosley and you like it, listen to the Thundercat record. Well, Kevin because fucking locked me out of the shared drive, so I can't hear it. Because <laughs> when you hear that thing, you're going to be like, okay, Miles Mosley is good. 
But Thundercat yeah. is great. And then you're going to go and listen to Kamasi. If Kamasi puts These opinions out, are going to be uh, relitigated on a future podcast. Right. Ooh, so. saying, like, <laughs> you're going to go through these, these really yeah. absurdly gifted musicians... They're probably going to all put out music in the next 12 months. I'm all for absurdly yeah, bring, gifted musicians putting out music. Yep. Bring it on. This yep. is the perfect <laughs> gateway, so I'll say yeah. try, because by the end, you're probably going to want to buy all of them. Is this sort of like Netflixing Iron Man? Just yes. be like, just dip your toe in. Like, I wonder if this is good. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it's good. <laughs> like, come on. Right, of course. So, uh, and that, that tips my hand. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy it. This is, this is one of my favorite albums I've heard so far this year. This is... Uh, simply because of what I was talking about, the uh, it is just him. I don't have any expectations when I listen. I try not to, at least when I listen to music. And all I want is to feel it. And even though I can sit and like all the vocal talk we've been talking about, that all the criticism is completely valid. End of the day, I feel this shit. Yeah, and that's I made the criticism, and I do feel the shit too. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, uh, Miles Mosley's Uprising, it's out there. That was it. Miles Mosley, man, oh man, is that album smoke? Seventy-five percent certified badass. Don't listen to that Marcus Dallin kid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Nah, that's not true. That's not true. He knows. He knows a lot of things. He does know what he's talking about. He thinks he knows, and he does know most of the time. Uh, this is a great album. Great artist. Can't wait to see this live when it comes through. Hopefully, it'll be coming through because I've seen him play with Kamasi and just fucking crushed it. Uh, so this is sort of sort of exciting. Exciting time for this kind of music. Uh, like I said up front, we were going to share a little track for you this week, and that's what we're going to do right now. Band we're going to be uh, talking about here is Man Wolves out of Chicago. It's a, it's a group that fuses uh, hip hop, jazz, and rock. A little funk in there. Uh, if you want to think about like old school 90s hip hop, maybe a little Us 3, not as refined. Uh, maybe a little more live, jazzy, jazz stuff, which is interesting because we just saw uh, No Name last night. Her excellent album, Telephone, from last year. But she's on tour right now, played here at U Street Music Hall. And she she may as well have Weather Report uh, as her backing man. They were they were stunning. The whole show was stunning. It was a quick in and out. Is oh, Man, talk to somebody who's seen her on this tour. Talk to somebody who who saw that show. If you have a chance to hear this tour, do it. Uh, but the thing I'm getting at is like, is this what's going on in Chicago right now? Because if it is, I think we need to pay a visit and maybe pay more attention to Chicago. Because when you have these amazing musicians coming together with other amazing musicians just in a different sort of genre, a different mode, the result is is as expected amazing. But totally badass. Uh, and as I think this, uh, these guys, mammals, are going to grow into something that's totally badass. They're almost there. <laughs> it's because it's on jams. Here's Mammal's Sing Along. Let's see what you think. Yeah. I just want to have fun And live this life that I live Remember when the weather was always nicer When I was a kid Me and Maddie in Michigan 
Talking about Michigan, the water had to cool me off with the temper that I was living with. Daddy was a preacher, but didn't go to church. Taught me all the rights in this world of wrong, praying I use them first. Sorry when I don't listen, promise it's not your fault. Cause when my engine gets to running, I don't seem to stop. Like this song you can sing along to Wrote this song just for me and you Sing along to, sing along to Wrote this song just to sing along to If you like this song you can sing along to Wrote this song just for me and you Sing along to, sing along to That boy handsome, he gon' be something That's what they said in the CPS camps But I ain't never get into a CPS school I was jealous of my cousins but I still came out cool Shout out all my niggas getting skipped in the open mic I was once the nigga who got skipped in the open mic Couple setbacks, never kept them off from winning it The Cubs won a series, the music can make a living Trump can get an office, then I can become a prophet Spread around my honest and expand on my wallet Opinions be opinions, you can preach your speech But you still catch these bitches if you preach and hate preach Growing up I used to catch the most black jokes Now a nigga get choked cause my black so woke Dragon Ball Z, jamming a dope swim Old Disney shows, the tune taking me back Wrote this song just to sing along to Like this song you can sing along to Wrote this song just for me and you Sing along to, sing along to Wrote this song just to sing along to Like this song you can sing along to Wrote this song just for me and you Sing along to, sing along to Sing along, sing along, sing along, sing along That's the name of the track, the name of the band. They are going to be out playing at a club near you. Uh, we're going to have links in the show notes where you can find out more about them. And uh, and seriously, guys, hit me up. I know a few people up in Chicago. If, if this is what's going on, we'll come up and uh, we'll check it out because, uh, man, I love this shit. Love it. You talked a lot about it happening in the higher profile stuff like uh, like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly specifically, but nothing, nothing this sort of like laid back. It's Great, great stuff. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can uh, leave us a rating or a star there, whichever you prefer. You can leave a message or a review if you want. Um, we are on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud when we are motivated out on the Internet. So you can find us at, at Chunky Glasses uh, on Instagram and on uh, and Twitter. Don't forget about our... Live correspondents Matt Cunnan and 
uh, Mauricio Castro out there. Uh, they are they are doing it every night. If you look on the front page, uh, you'll find them in our Instagram feed. But if you look on the front page of the site, where you can also find all of our podcasts and live coverage, you will see uh, a nifty little Instagram feed, and you can see sort of up to the minute of what they are out shooting. And uh, I am still, um, I have my time in the pit, and I'm still in awe that these guys are out there going crazy with this shit. It is because it's it's not not an easy gig. It's fun, it's rewarding, but it's not an easy gig. Um, we're going to be back next week with some pretty groovy stuff starting off on Monday going to have a discussion this is sort of a uh, sort of presented in collaboration with uh, DC Public Library System our friend Marcus Dowling uh, he gets around he, he does a lot of talks and stuff and he just recently did this thing and he's going to be doing a whole series of them talking about the history of Go-Go which uh, maybe maybe it sounds DC-centric, but I don't think so, because I think it informs a lot of uh, the music that you guys like, certainly if you listen to this podcast. And uh, and so we're going to be presenting that in its entirety. It's about a two-hour talk. Uh, it's a, sort of a live event. It's a little rougher than this, maybe, but uh, but it's awesome. I, I've listened to it, and, uh, and so uh, we're going to be doing that on Monday, and uh, maybe some groovy shit on Thursday. Haven't decided that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So you got that to look forward to. Uh, right now, we're going to get out of your hair, and you can get back to whatever you're doing. Uh, so we'll see you in a few days. Until then, be good to your ears, be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!